This is the Birdie Dads Podcast. This week, we're all on vacation. So we look back at a great interview we had with the Golficity guys. Take a listen if you've never heard this episode. Share about their thoughts on golf and fatherhood. And it ties right into everything we're doing. So let's jump in. You're listening to the Birdie Dad Podcast. They can't make a birdie, but they can dad. And now your hosts, Jared, Brian, and Trevor. I'm Jared, and with me are always are my co-hosts, Trevor and Brian. But today we are joined by some amazing special guests. We have what I would say two of the best guys in golf, Michael and Frank Fasano. Welcome, guys. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Hey, good to be here. Thanks, hey, for thanks so much. Appreciate that that fantastic intro. Thank <laughs> well, you. I feel like this is Wayne's world, and I'm, I'm Wayne and Garth, and we are. You guys are what is it, Alice Cooper when he meets them, and, and we're not worthy. That's what I feel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely so, the first I've gotten that. Yes, yeah, uh, that I mean, it, good stuff. You guys are doing amazing things. You guys have blown up on Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube with Golficity. But give us a behind the scenes rundown. What did you see it becoming? Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, just to kind of rewind way back. Well, for anybody who's new to it, Mike and I are cousins. Uh, and years ago, kind of taking different paths to arrive at the same game, I was getting back into golf. Mike was first getting into the game and we found we were constantly talking about it. So we're like, listen, you know, we're, we're talking about it anyway, let's document our journey. And we started with this, this little blog. And then very shortly after the podcast, which honestly was really just an excuse to talk golf without our wives interrupting us Brilliant. and telling us, why are you two always talking golf? <laughs> we said, Hey, we'd have at least an hour. We could sit there and just chat about golf. So it just kind of, we just kind of rode the wave where it took us with the whole idea from the start of just saying, let's create the type of content that we would want to see. And at the time there weren't a whole lot of golf podcasts. And um, I was a big consumer of podcasts because I was doing a lot of commuting. And I said, I just, we're just going to create the stuff we want to hear. And especially from the voice of two guys who struggle with the game, you know, we weren't, we heard a lot coming from professional golfers, but um, sometimes they found it was intimidating. They made it sound a little bit too easy, not really talking about the struggle. And we were struggling golfers and we said, let's just talk about it from that view. And it just kind of developed as it went. And eventually with the podcast, it opens up enough doors. We started doing some new things that we brought the camera along and that's how the vlog started. started right? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, let's talk being dads because that's really, we talk about the two hardest things we think in life are parenting and golf. So, <laughs> but let's talk dads. What, where's your dad game at right now? Wow, well, golf's easier than parents. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Makes more <True>. sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, you tell yours first. Yeah. So I'm currently, uh, I got two daughters. Um, Frank will tell you he has the same, but mine are a little bit older. I have a, uh, a seven and a, uh, and a three. Your and oldest is, is one year and one day. One year and one day. Older than mine. Than yours. Yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. very similar lineup. You know, you got a three-year-old, right? Two-year-old, three-year-old. She's. Three I have a six-year-old and, and a and a three-year-old. You know, and then you know, I guess, you know, I the, the first thing you when you become a dad who loves golf, like you immediately think like I want to get my kid into golf right away, mm -hmm. the minute they're born. Mm -hmm. Frank was actually the one who bought my daughter her first golf club when she was born, and I reminded her of that this past week, the other day, yeah. which is great. <laughs> yeah, um, and nice. she got you know quite quite good playing, but uh, you know, just you know, trying to balance out, and especially it's it's been real struggle for us being dads and running golficity the past year, obviously it's been a struggle for everybody dealing with COVID with everything. 
So we're not the only ones, obviously, but, you know, shifting our schedules, we had so much great things lined up in 2020 as far as amazing golf travel series for our partners like FootJoy and, and things like that. And just had to postpone them all and, you know, having the kids home with us every day and shifting our schedules to doing so much more virtual stuff, podcast, not in person anymore, all over Skype, just adapting to the world. And it's, 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 it's been good, but we made it through and we've had a great year last year doing it. hundred percent through yeah. and, and pivoting to new ideas and making it work. That was the theme of 2020. Let's just make it work somehow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we both became dads after we had started right. Golficity. And I think that's another way that we both ended up working well together is that we share that same kind of belief that like ultimately the family and the kids come first. So it is difficult sometimes uh, the number of opportunities we get. If, if let's say it was no COVID, I mean, we could be on a plane anywhere, anytime. We get a lot of great invites and we're super fortunate for that to be able to play different places. But we both understand and respect that a big part of our priority is to be there a lot with our kids at this age. So there's stuff we turn down and it's, you know, again, it's an understanding. It's not like one of us has a different idea of what we want to do. And right. it, it's just, we, we like to have as much time as we can with our kids, but we also want to embrace our own goals with, with golficity. So it's a balance of, of work and home. Which is why those work trips are never like a week to eight to 10 days long. It's like, let's play eight courses in three days and get back home. Before yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have to do it. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So what's your biggest challenge in parenting up to this point, do you think? Well, I mean, this year I think was the biggest challenge up to this point because um, I'm, I, I might can speak for himself, but I'm, I'm a type of person who like very much likes to have a schedule and I can be very organized and all that went out the window this year. The vast majority of the year, my kids uh, schools were closed uh, and both myself and my wife, we work full time. So it was like constantly just shifting who had the kids because at, at their age, at this younger age, it's not even with some of the homeschooling, it's not something where there are any autonomous at all. They, they really need us. So it was just finding creative ways to, to, especially with golficity being at this turning point where last year was such a big year for us. And we really started to take off and not wanting to lose that momentum, but finding creative ways to, to now work within the margins so that we can be with the kids and help them make sure they get through their schooling, but at the same time do content. But in a way we grew from it because we were forced to do new things, uh, at home content, indoor content, and um, we found that some of those things where we thought that they would be a mess, they turned out to they really be, right. you know, great. Like even having to do like a what's in the bag video from home, it would do much better than we ever could have anticipated. So the challenge was kind of balancing those things. This year was the hardest by far with the kids. Yeah. So we've talked on, on our podcast a couple of times about how becoming a dad, um, you, you kind of go through this cycle of you, you got your game dialed in getting all the lessons, you're getting the handicap down and then kids hit. And then you either probably get worse for a time frame, And then as they get older, they get better. Where are you guys at in that kind of cycle? Are you guys, is your golf game taking a hit? Or are you guys on the way back up? Where are you at? Well, I think we're a little different than most because our business is in golf. So we've got an excuse. We, right. you know, we're here all day. They're working in golf while the kids are at school. So, um, but I'd say in my life, with my family, with my kids, it's a really good balance. If I want to go 
you know, come over to HQ and work on my game on a Saturday morning. I'll bring my daughter with me. You know, my wife is cool with it. My wife is perfectly fine with me taking the kids for as long as possible. So, you know, she gets her alone time, whatever. And um, I'll come here. I'll take the girls to the range. I'll do stuff like that. And it, it gives me that excuse to get out and practice. Of course, it's not the practice you want. It's not that, you know, headphones on, speakers just on my target, working through the bag. That I don't get enough of. So to that, we definitely, definitely don't get enough time to practice our game yeah. because we're creating content around the game. And when it is practice for me at this point, it's really just bringing the kids out to practice. So yeah. it's definitely, there's no denying it's less than previous before having kids. But uh, we talk a lot about on our own podcast, we say it forces you to be more efficient with your practice. Whereas before kids, when, you know, the world is your oyster and you've got all the time in the world. It seems like now it didn't seem like it then, but now it seems like it, you had so much time you could go to the range and just kind of fool around for a while and, you know, be semi present, you know, and you just be there having a little bit of fun. But now you, you, you know, you know, between dropping off the kids or whatever else you have like a half hour to work. And we tell people like, that's fine. You can get the same amount of practice in, you know, as far as effectiveness, you just have to be more purpose driven with it. So we talk about often like having those practice sessions structured. So you're not just there taking cuts, you're going and you're working on something specific so that you can get the same amount of really learning done in a shorter time frame. So if anything, being dads has forced us to be more efficient with that time. Yeah. How much are you guys exposing your families to golf after outside of golf city? I mean, are your kids really taken to the game yet? Or are they um, kind of Oh, that's dad going to work. And then they, you know, you get home, you guys are playing, watching movies, that sort of thing. It's, it's, it's definitely different. I mean, I, none of us have boys. So we think maybe it might be different with boys even more. So it's not as much as I'd like it to be involved. The kids, they'll only want to do it when I kind of say, Hey, you want to go hit golf balls today? That's pretty much it. Or do you want to go play golf today? They'll never say, Hey dad, I want to go play golf. You know, yeah. it's, you know, let's dress up like princesses and go play in the basement. I mean, that's what they want to do. So, yeah, you know, I, I try as much as possible. And, you know, we're starting to, um, you know, like my girls, I know your girls, too. They watch a lot of our videos. They get excited about them and they want to be involved with them. My seven year old. Your them. kids do. My kids don't care. They, they don't they watch care. any. Of my, all right. Never mind. <laughs> they don't watch anything. My seven year old said yesterday, she said, how long do I have to wait until I can work for Golficity and hold the camera for you guys? And I'm like, oh, that's adorable. I love that. You know, you're taking some interest in what we do and she sees golf as something more than a sport because it's our, our profession. And, you know, that's all great and good. And I love that. But a big part of that too, is we've both had the idea of not pushing them into it at all, because I think that's the number one way the kids back out is if they don't kind of find it on their own. So it'll be more so like, sometimes they'll just see me watching golf and they'll be a little bit interested. Other times they won't be interested at all, but if they have a little bit of interest, I'll just more so try to, answer their questions or they'll try to see some, you know, they'll see some of my excitement and, and want to be a part of that. Um, but it's, it's, I find that it's like introducing them in these little ways. Like if I have some extra time, instead of going and taking them out on the course, I would just take them over to the, the practice putting green. And I'd find that, you know, they, for fit, you know, again, we're talking about a six-year-old and a three-year-old. So for, 15 minutes of that they're excited they're into it but that's kind of the limit and then we'll go do you know we'll back away from it so it's just these little little bits and um one big advice that i took we had on our podcast uh dr joseph parent zen golf uh and he had i think hands down the best um method for introducing kids to a game and and not having them be frustrated than i've ever heard that i've heard before uh, and it's just a very simple thing where you on the course, you let the kids hit the ball and then wherever they hit the ball to 
you hit the ball to there. And then he said, the reason is a lot of times we go out there and we're still trying to work on our game. And it's frustrating for the little ones because they see us hitting the ball so much further, so much different, and they feel like they're not participating with us. So he said by letting them hit it, even if it's 10 yards, you then pull out a wedge and hit it 10 yards and work your way towards the hole together. That way it's a shared experience, but he said it's the sneaky way that you'll you'll find you're learning new golf shots yourself. Mm -hmm. You're becoming a better at short game and things like that by doing that. And I thought that was interesting. And he said, if you only get three holes done, you only get three holes done, you know, whatever it is. Um, or if it's, you're holding people up, pick up the balls and move on to the next thing, whatever you can do to keep it low pressure, because at that young age, there's very easy for them to get discouraged and want to leave. And, and then nobody, you know, is learning anything. Right. Take us back now for your exposure to golf. How, how are you doing that different or maybe to where you were exposed as a kid? So I got into the game later than this. I was probably in my early teens, but um, my father first started playing the game um, when he started his business and I was around that age and he basically just same type of thing, not pushing me into it, just loosely introducing me. He's like, if you want to try it, you know, I'll get just, you know, clubs and you can get out there and try. And I would just play with him, but nothing formalized. Uh, it took a long time before taking any formal lessons. It was just a matter of just being out there with him. So in that way, I'm trying to follow a somewhat of a similar path. And then as they get more interested, we can do the lessons and things. But it was just kind of just getting clubs and being out there. And he was just there just to offer access in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not me, I mean, you're different, right? I'm way different. Yeah. You didn't <laughs> I, play at all. I didn't play at all. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm going to go. Until when? when did you start? You know, I started after college. So, I mean, it was it was more, you know, business world, learn how to play golf to make sales. And, you know, I was a baseball player my whole life and competitive, you know, and it was like a good transition from being baseball my whole life into no more competitive sports. So let's pick up golf. Uh, it's funny. I found a photo the other day from about eight, like 10 years ago. I was at a company outing. I'm, I'm like, I was the company outing guy. Like, that's it. I didn't go out and play on the weekends. <laughs> and I saw this photo and I was standing over the ball. What a horrible address to the ball. I got to show it to you later. And okay. I had um, cargo shorts on with like an unbuttoned polo. Like I had no clue. <laughs> um, but then as I got more into the business world and I started playing with a lot of clients who were exceptional, they were good golfers. I learned a lot from them. And it got me really excited about it. And then I was going out and playing with my father and my two brothers who don't play golf. And I was getting better at it. So there's the one sport that I was beating one at, everyone at. So, you know, that didn't really last long. I, I don't play much with my brothers or father. They don't really play golf. But, uh, yeah, it was very slow. I did not really have the sport too much until I was probably, I don't know, 24, 25. And I'm 38 now. So only been about 13 years. Yeah, that's about where we're at right now too. Like a lot of, we went to college together, but, um, I know for me, I didn't start playing golf until after college and it was, it was yep. more just a mm -hmm. chance to get out with some buddies and stuff. So it wasn't really serious, but then right. when I got hooked, I started hitting some good shots, started getting, you know, the yeah. scores a little bit lower. What was your hook point? Like what made you come back? Oh man. I'm trying to think of like where that turning point, I think it really was, it was what got me hooked was, was starting golficity in 2012. I mean, I graduated college in 04 and it was that nothing really got me hooked until, you know, I think it was right to two years before we started Golficity. Um, a lot of those corporate outings that I'm joking about just started to increase. And I started to find myself going outside of those outings and playing with my buddies on the weekends. So I started to see the friendship part of it, uh, a thing to do with the guys, something I didn't have. And that's where I started to get a little hooked. And that's what led me, you know, a couple of years down the road to be like, hey, Frank, you and I, let's do something. Let's come up with something. You're you're getting back into golf. I'm just getting into it. I'm loving it. Uh, let's do it. So 
Yeah. I think for me, what got me into it was we, we always talk about how the golf is so much more than that score you put on the card. It was really the, the people like I was, you know, out of college cause I had got, I had put the game away for about 10 years to go to college and then go for my master's and all that type of stuff. And once all that was over, I was finding that I was looking again for that experience, like in college where you could go out with the guys and just spend some time hanging out with friends. And an easy way to do that was the golf course. Like people like Mike and others were just starting to get into the game after college. Some people were, were playing again or had played steadily, but it was that weekend. It was that time to just spend four hours and just be with friends. So that, you know, of course, all the normal stuff that'll hook you into golf of, of the constant drive to better and the travel and the new courses and stuff that was all part of that pie. But uh, for me, I think the biggest driving factor was just that shared experience. And it's oh, we've always carried that kind of through. We've always said that I think one thing that limits people is they feel like they can't have fun with the game until they reach a certain level. They're always saying, like, you know, when I get here, I'll enjoy it or whatever it may be. And I think that's the wrong attitude. I think you can you can enjoy the game at any level because there's that shared aspect of just being out there and having f- some fun with friends. Even if you hit one good shot, you know, you're still out there and you're having fun. So that was what drove the hooks into me was that shared experience of, of going out there and being able to experience new places and play with new people. And what, I guess, kind of transitioning that to Golficity, what was your, your aha moment? We made it like for the business itself and Golficity, like what was your guys's? I, I don't know if we've had one yet. <laughs> really? I mean, no. Uh, no, truly. I mean, it's just like, we just always feel fortunate when like these new opportunities present themselves or these milestones or whatever it may be, you know, whatever you assign like a number of, subscribers or downloads or something like that. It's just more so that, you know, we're just kind of in awe of it when it happens, but we still feel like it's, it, I don't know. It's not like we felt like we reached our goals. We, we look yes. back and we laugh at like, and our wives always love to point this one tip out. They say, we went out to dinner and celebrated the first time that the website got a hundred views in one day. In one day. And they love telling about that. Now that the website's doing like a million, yeah, you know, a, a year or whatever it is. And it's just like, I don't know, but, but this, I don't think there's ever, at least for me, have you ever had a moment where you feel like, Oh, we made it. I don't know, but I'd say not yet. Like you said, but yeah. there was a lot of little moments that I think um, like sinking that putt at a media day to win, you know, entry into a PGA tour pro-am, you know, be able to convince the PGA tour to allow us to film it, put that on our channel. And right before we left for that trip, we get, you know, we sign a partnership deal with Titleist. Yeah. It was that moment where I, that was like a minor made it moment. Yeah. Like, all right, maybe this is the start of great things. And I think from that point on, you know, I think things just start to develop, you know, strengthening yeah. relationships. New, minor new made it moments. Yes. Go, go back to that. It. What was that putt? Give me the scene. What was sure. happening? I need to know. So this is great. And, you know, full YouTube <laughs> video up there. You can watch it. It's great. Uh, 2017. It was actually the first vlog we put on our YouTube channel. We were invited by 18 birdies. Uh, the the scorecard, uh, scorecard app, I call it GPS app, all those great things. They they did a media day in Manhattan where they invited uh, some key major, uh, I guess, me- members of the media. Golf Digest was there, a couple other publications. We were fortunate enough to get the invite. We drove down there. Paige Sporanic was there. She was giving out some lessons. We were able to take a couple lessons. We interviewed her for our podcast. Yep. All great stuff. Great day, food, drink. Um, and then they did this thing at the end where they said, you and the, your partner that you came with, we're going to do three holes in the simulator at Bay Hill. And whoever wins, the two of you get a spot 
in the pro-am, you know, or, or one of you will win and you get two spots. So we, we said, all right, Frank, if we win, you'll caddy. If I win, you, whatever. Yeah. So sure enough, we, uh, we did the, we did the, uh, the three holes. We ended up tying with a group of girls from golf digest. Yep. They were, they were mm-hmm. some gamers. They were really good. And, uh, we went to a putt out in front of a whole group of people and we just had to hit a long, like 20 foot putt. Uh, the two girls missed Frank missed, he lipped out and then I went last and I sunk it. And then just like that, all expense paid trip to the Arnold Palmer invitational pro. What was the pep talk, Frank? What did you tell him in that moment? I mean, I, had- I, well, clearly I gave him the line. He gave it. So, <laughs> but, uh, but the, the real thing that he, he left out of that story is that his dream was to play in a pro-am. And he had talked about that for years. He's like, you ever think we can get golf is to the point where I'll get to play in a pro. He just wanted to play in a pro-am. So he, he was hungry going into that oh, event. Yeah. And, but, and the whole event was, was awesome. It, was, it wasn't just like we flew down and we played in an event. Like they put us up for three, four days. They put us through a, uh, a full like seminar instructional clinic with coaches the day before. Travis we, Fulton. That's when we first met Travis. We met yeah. Travis Fulton. And then we went uh, to the pro-am party, you know, where you get all dressed up and then you go to the pairing party the night before we pick. So it was a huge experience. And, and then, then you gave uh, Molinari the juice. I gave Molinari the juice. So I got <laughs> teamed up with Molinari and, you know, he went on to uh, to win his first PGA Tour event, I think, about a year later. Well, he went on a tear. He won He won the Open. He won the Open, and then he won another mm-hmm. event. And then the year later, after the, the year I played with him, he ended up winning the API. So when I saw him again at Ridgewood Country Club, uh, I had media credentials, so I was behind the ropes. And he came over, and he said, uh, hey, you gave me the juice. So he admitted that yeah. I gave him the oh, juice. That's yeah. cool. was, definitely all the credit goes to Mike. So, you need to get on the yeah. back for him. I, I remember yeah, that yeah. year from Molinari. You ruined my fantasy team. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's awesome, though. That's cool. You need. To, you ever throw a message back out, you know, to other guys, go, hey, you need the juice. Give me a call. We try it. We this, try it. This is the guy. Yeah. yeah, this is the guy. I've got it. I've got the Midas touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how about, let's take it back to parenting. Like what's your, what's your parenting game like? We kind of talked about where you're at with with it and everything like that and how it relates to your work, but what, what would you grade yourself as a parent? Are are you a, are you an amateur? Are you professional? Where are you at right now with with parenting? If there's a professional parent out there, I want to meet up. (laughs) Yeah. Bigfoot. It is. Yeah, exactly. It is such a changing landscape and you feel like you've, finally got something down and then they're constantly growing and evolving and, and doing new things. And then you're like, you know, it, it's tough, but um, I think the great part, both of us, we both have great partners and our wives are, are, are great because Mike's wife also works full time. So it's a very shared experience of like having to communicate back and forth and, and juggle all that is, you know, kind of raising kids, but also having careers. Um, but it's, it's a difficult experience, but it's, I, I think it's the most fun and the hardest thing you can ever do, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. it, it's, it, it's going to be a challenge, but it's, it's just worth it when, and things work out. It's just sometimes even just this year being home so much, you know, we'll just have these fun moments. Like uh, my kids and I, over the weekend, we just decided to like shoot a home movie. We reenacted star Wars. Cause I'm like, what am I going to do with the kids at home at this point? They're getting like, they're getting stir crazy. So my wife likes to do makeup. So I had her do their hair and makeup and we did a just, you know, just use my regular video equipment and just shot a home Star Wars. You know, you just got to do that. And it's, and it's fun. And you're at the you realize at the same time you're, you're teaching them to have fun, but you're having fun yourself. But as far as ever figuring it out, I don't think I'll ever have it no. figured out. No. And the wor- one of the worst things is when you cook that five star gourmet meal. Yeah. Cut it all up nice. And they say, I don't want <laughs> to feed it right yeah. to the dog. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's nightly, oh. isn't it? <laughs> Every night. Yep. But you ate it last night. Now you don't like it. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Now I like to, uh, we like to kind of compare, you know, as we are golfers, we always have an index, right. To kind of measure our success. And as of late in the last 20 rounds, I like to always ask our guests kind of like, what's your, what's your parenting index? I mean, we're, I like to say I'm like a 10 or 11 on a parent. Cause I'm always shooting for bogey, you know, for yeah. bogey yeah. as a like parent's that. a good day. I got net par. I'm good. But you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of what we like to try to ask folks. I, I am. I think I'm going to say I'm right there with you. I'm a, I think I'm a, I'm shooting for bogey. Uh, there are times I wish I could do more for those kids. And there are times I feel bad when they come walking to my office, you know, now that they're homeschooled and they they're holding up toys and I'm sitting there on a conference call and I got to keep giving them this every yeah. single time. It like breaks my heart, you know, it breaks my heart, but you know, cause they don't understand what work is yet. They don't understand that I have to be in this room for nine hours out of the day or whatever the case may be. So I try my best. I think bogey, bogey golf i'm not a scratch that's for sure yeah. no, no scratch <laughs> like i said i i want to meet this the scratch parent but yeah because it, it's tough but i'd say it's same type of thing i just i i feel like i think the the comfort that i can have is that i know i always give it my best effort similar to like golf like even if you have a bad day out there as long as you know you gave it your best effort you, you know you, you can't kind of kick yourself later i think the the worst would be like you end the day and you realize you know I wasn't there for my kids for something. I think that's something that you're going to, you're going to live with regret if you do that. But otherwise, even if you've made a mistake, cause like I said, no, no parents perfect. If you felt like I gave it my effort, I tried as best as I could. I think you feel a lot better about yourself. Yeah. That's kind of where this podcast for, of ours came together is, you know, we were always talking about how do we become better dads and, and better golfers that you can't really do each separately well. Right. So we're trying to figure out how to, incorporate your family to be with you on the golf course and therefore hopefully be able to make a better, better golfer out of ourselves. But as you guys said, you know, it's, there's no perfect scenario. It's just, right. it's tough all around. Mm-hmm. There's none. Like I said, the closest I've, I've heard to a really good method was, was Dr. Parents. I, I had not heard that before. And that idea of just following their game more so than letting them just kind of watch you and try and all right, pick it up. You, you couldn't hit it as far as me. Let's go. You know, mm-hmm. instead, you know, letting them hit and you hit to their ball. I like that idea. And I'm hoping to try it out with my kids a little bit this season. Yeah. I remember when I played as a kid, my dad would do that. And I, I don't know what age, but I would think like, Hey, why can't we play my, my ball dad? Like, why, why do I have to pick it up? I didn't, yeah. I didn't feel like it was a bad shot. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> You and know, you end up, the kid ends up feeling more like a spectator than a participant, you know? And I think the other way, you got to like kind of put your own ego aside to, to not pull out the driver on a par four and instead hit a little wedge to wherever they hit it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with parenting, a lot of it's putting your ego aside and doing, doing what's best for the kid anyway. So for a lot of our golfers, give us your, yeah, I know you, you guys have a ton. And if we go to your site, go to your app, you're going to have a bunch, but give us that drill for an amateur that you, you think makes that a, a large difference for their swing? Sure. I mean, I've been, one thing that I've been doing, again, you got to work with the time you have. So I found one of the spots of the time I have is, is after the kids go to bed, I just set up a little spot in my basement, which the ceiling is just high enough that I can swing my shortest wedge, you know, and <laughs> I'll just get down there and I will, one thing that I think is your greatest asset is having the uh, the camera that's right on your phone you know, most of these phone and like almost any iPhone shoots in like slow motion. So I'll just kind of set that up on a tripod just so I can kind of, that's the time to work on your form. Not really when you're out on the golf course. Um, and I've just had a couple of little training aids that I find that have been helping me well. Um, one of them has been the, um, the tour striker plane mate. 
I, I've really been working hard on getting more of the, uh, getting myself more on plane and I get a little bit too steep and I find that anything that provides me with a little bit of physical feedback helps. So I use that or I do like a hanger drill, um, anything like that. But I'll, I'll, I think the biggest tip is just finding the small times to do it. And we've had a chance to work with some great coaches. Kevin Sprecker is one of them. And he always preaches that the real improvement doesn't happen in like a one long marathon practice session. He goes, it's a lot of small repeat sessions. And that I think fits better into a, a parenting lifestyle where I don't have a two, two hours to go out and work on my game, but I might have 15 minutes. So also in my home office, I've got a little, you know, a putt out, a little putting mat, and I'll just spend 10 minutes working on putting. And he, he had said that, you know, if you can find just 10 minutes a day just to keep working on it, You'll, you'll find that it's, it's a much bigger improvement than working on it for two hours once a month. Yeah, Makes sense. That. You know, and that. Kevin, Kevin's been great. And Kevin is one of the many, and we're very fortunate to work with a lot of top instructors and Kevin being one of them, a lot of them, they, they preach balance. They, 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 they preach rotation as the two fundamentals of, of a golf swing that are very important. So for me, I love fitness. I think fitness is very important, not only for your health, but for golf. So a good tip for any, any, any newbie, I guess, would say try to work on different things that will help you with balance, help you with rotation, help you with core strength. Find different easy exercises like wall sits or planks or something to kind of tighten up your core and get your legs in shape, build your stamina on the golf course. Because stamina is another thing. When I first started playing golf, there was the 14, 13, 14 hole. I'd be like, crying, I'm done. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm hungry. I, mm -hmm. I hadn't had the brain power to like make it all the way through. Um, because I was tired. I wasn't in shape for it. I wasn't in shape for a sport that you sometimes get in a cart and drive around it. It's crazy. <laughs> but I think fitness, I'd put a premium on. Um, and then putting, 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 putting. We had a, a guest on the show who started playing golf. He tried to perfect the sport. He yeah. said, start from putting and work your way back if you're new. Start at the hole, then go back to the tee box. Putting is the most important thing. Uh, we have a million different ways to practice putting. Even if we don't have the fancy stuff, you got a carpet in your house, a rug, just learn your feel, practice your putting. It's going to yeah. go a long way. And injury prevention too. Cause I, I mean, a big thing that we learn is like, again, as you don't get to play the game as much, maybe you're busy parenting. Um, you can injure yourself a little bit easier. I actually have a, uh, a herniated disc in my neck, which has caused me to miss some golf. So I've been working with um, just one of our, our own podcast listeners who's a doctor out in California and he reached out to me and he's been incredible on the journey. He's been really helping me. And he just sent us both uh, each a lefty club. And he said, guys, he goes, swing lefty. It's going to look terrible at first. <laughs> he goes, but for your back, trust me, he goes, if you keep always corkscrewing and rotating in the same direction, that's a recipe for, you know, an injury. So he said, if even just a couple times a week, you can take some lefty swings. He goes, first of all, you'll be surprised at how much you learn about your righty swing. And you'll be surprised what you learn about your golf game. But he said that it'll help balance you out from your, you know, I guess the way your muscles work or whatever it may be. So that's something we've both been trying to do. It's still sloppy. It's sloppy. <laughs> We're not quite ready to do a lefty club challenge, but, uh, but yeah, that's another thing that, that we work on too. Yeah. I listened to you cover that on your new year episode, new year's episode. And uh, I was just wondering how far you guys got your seven iron going lefty. I was like, what is he? One, I just hit mine about 40 yards. Oh, okay. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, cause I'm swinging at about, yeah, I, I, this is another thing we learned working with the guys at game, like training. Anytime you're trying to learn something in golf, do it so much slower than you think you need to do it. So they had us doing like 20% speed swings and I, you, you almost, 
can't do it. It's like laughably yeah, hard to swing at 20%. So I'm trying to apply that to this lefty and swing like super slow and just like not shank it into our computer over there. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just like slowly working up to it, but yeah, it, you got to start slow. That's mm-hmm. for sure. You're going to hurt somebody. That's awesome. So you talk about the physical training of golf. How about the mental training? And, and, you know, like you guys are cousins, you've been growing up together. Who's the biggest trash talker? And do, how, how do you get over that when you're on the course and somebody's, you know, talking trash to you, especially your buddies, I'm trying to get that, like some advice. So when I go play with Trevor and Jared, I, I don't cry. I'm in his head. I'm in his head. And it's just, oh, that's great. I, I'm going to stay a while. <laughs> well, the good news is we're never competitive with each other on the course, right? Never. Hmm. I mean, even if we do well, like if a we one do hole, one hole challenge, challenge we'll video, fun, but we'll... it's not like we're right. Cursing each other out, beating each other up. Um, so. we actually don't, we don't even really care who wins. It's more so like the fun of, of being in the mix of it. Right. You know, we, it's funny. We're so evenly matched that like you, sometimes we're like, people are going to think this video is scripted because it comes down to like the 18th hole every time. <laughs> even if one of us is up six holes, yeah. somebody will come back. But, um, but yeah, we just kind of, we balance it out, but I don't know. We don't, there's never really any trash. We're talk. out there just having fun. Yeah. I don't, we don't just, not, it's not the personality type it. to try to get in the other yeah. guy's head. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Um, but it is in golf. It's almost unavoidable. And it's so easy to do. I, I remember recently hearing a story where this one guy was like, uh, he was getting, he was getting beat by the, this guy. He's a lot of trash talking. So all he said to the guy, like the next time he played him right before they went out, he goes, Oh, that's pretty cool. Do you always exhale like that when you swing through the ball? <laughs> And now the guy's game was through the window, like just gone. Cause now the guy's thinking about breathing as he's swinging. There's a lot of easy ways, but I think what you got to do is you just got to find a way to tune it out. We, we talk a lot on the podcast about the best thing you can do for your mental game is to have a really good pre-shot routine and iron it out. Just like if you were a basketball player taking a free throw where you just do the same thing over and over. And then that way you can have your mind kind of wandering and we're doing whatever it's doing between swings, but you can focus right. You know, that 15 seconds before your swing, if you have a, 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 you know, a pre-shot routine that you even practice, you can just go into it and it becomes a lot easier to shut things out for 15 seconds than it does to shut it out the whole time. Some people try to be in the zone or whatever the whole round, like for four hours, you can't do that. You got to be able to find that way of just having this switch that goes on and off. And a pre-shot routine is a great way to get you locked in. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I've heard, uh, and with the strokes and the mental game, I always love the Lee Trevino story where he says, if you're down a couple strokes at the turn, just get your, get your playing partners, a hot dog. It's a good for yeah. at least three strokes, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. You know, what's your favorite club in the bag? Like if you're going to go out one club challenge, what are you picking? Um, and you know, and you get putters on the green though. There you, go. you get putters, putters on, on the green, the green so everywhere else, but the whole round one club. I would say there's definitely different to my favorite club, my most comfortable club, yeah. my most comfortable club would be my seven iron because, and, and again, we talk about focus practice. You realize when you think about it backwards, why is everyone so great at their seven iron? Because we all kind of hit it. It's a seven or eight iron, you know, at the range and we hit it so much. And then we're like, why we can't, we, we just did a, a podcast episode. There's like, why can't we hit our three wood? It's like, well, what was the last time you had your three wood out at the range? Right. right. So you're not familiar with it. Right. So if I needed to just get the ball, 150 yards straight and just keep moving it down and, you know, playing for, for whatever a challenge like that, I'd hit a seven iron, but 
otherwise, as far as there's also a fun factor. And I think for me, the favorite club right now is that the new TSI uh, driver, um, because not only am I hitting more fairways with it, but it's a fun club to hit. You know, I, I it's got some the forgiveness that lets me really swing it. And, uh, you know, who doesn't who doesn't like the swing drive doesn't like the swing driver. You know? I don't think I could pick a club. I mean, my, my 60 degree wedge is my yeah, most well, confident club. He has money stamped on <laughs> that money club. stamped yeah. on it. The one I'm the most comfortable with, but I don't think club. I'm winning a challenge with a 60 degree wedge and a putter. Um, I'll probably take about four. <laughs> It'll five be strokes. a long par five. It'll be long. It'll be long. But uh, I think I think I go nine iron all day long. I like that number. I like that 150 number. That 150, 150, maybe. Well, we you hit your nine iron as far as I hit my seven iron. So there you go. So it's about, so about the same club. Yeah. There you go. It makes sense. Yeah, guys, it's been great. Share with us some projects you have coming up. You want everyone to know about. Yeah. Well, one big thing is, is again, trying to catch up on all the travel that we postponed. Um, we had a, a big trip planned for Pinehurst, which we've, neither one of us has been to Pinehurst. You know, it's kind of like the cradle of American golf. And like, it's, it's just something we've wanted to do for so long. So we're working really hard to get that rescheduled for April. Of course, like everyone is crossing their fingers that things are okay and trying to schedule a trip to Pinehurst in April. <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit tough, but we're working on that. Um, and also just, again, just trying to do some new stuff with, with video and, and some video stuff we want to do this year. And just uh, in the immediate term, we're trying to introduce more of a live segment to Golficity. Uh, so we're going to be working on at least once a week going forward. It's almost like a live version of the podcast, but just having a, a chance for us to interact directly with some of the, the viewers and the listeners uh, and being able to engage with their content, with, with their uh, comments by doing some more live uh, content as well. But travel is, is the biggest one because we had a great year going to Scotland and everywhere else in England and yeah. all that stuff in 2019. And we were primed to really go in 2020 and, and just got shut down. So this but, year is hopefully the year to start moving again. Yeah. But our, I know our kids and our wives were super thrilled that, you know, we didn't, I mean, my kids are saying now like, Hey dad, one of those golf trips starting back up, you know, so they're starting to, to yeah. feel it already. They, hit, they did like having us home, but yeah. Yeah, sure. Like th those are the big plans. And again, the travel. I mean, we're planning on doing a fun trip where we uh, do the Jersey Shore tour, highlighting like the five must play golf courses at the Jersey Shore. We're going to take our families on that trip. Nice. So it could be almost like a summer vacation, whereas the dads just get up and go film golf. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah that's, that's awesome. Ideal. Ideal. Yeah. And then hopefully something out uh, at Whistling, maybe uh, either around Ryder Cup or before or after or something. We've both been dying to get out there, and that's another place we were supposed to go last fall. So Yeah, but last year, I remember that when we were at uh, YouTube Golf Day, um, I remember just kind of talking to the other guys and picking their brains, the ones who were, were dads as well, and just saying like, because it was it was it was one of our the first time we both traveled to Europe with you know without the kids, without the kids and without yeah. the wives and stuff and we were just like kind of talking about that and they're saying to the guys I'm like you know how do you because some of them do even more travel than us and I'm like how do you reconcile yourself that because I'm like this is a lot of fun but I'll be honest with you I miss the kids you know and I remember it was Seb Seb Carmichael Seb. Brown who who's like who said he goes listen I. I frame it like this. He goes, these times I'm away makes me appreciate the times I'm home that much more. Whereas if I was never traveling, I may not, you know, I may not realize it as much or appreciate it as much. So uh, I took that to heart. And to, to this day, I still think about that is like, yeah, although I feel a little bit of guilt when I travel and I'm away from them, I feel like, well, it's more so reframing that and focusing on being appreciative of the time we are home so that when we are traveling, you know, we know like, look, we'll be back to them and, and we can appreciate that time as well. But that's, I think that was one of the hardest things when we first started traveling is dad. That's the toughest part. Let's get over that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I could see you guys come out the West Coast and and we'll be ready, do some challenge on the course. Maybe we'll, we'll go in on some co-op live babysitting type activities. There you go. Yeah, just be careful, guys. These guys talk a lot of trash, so I don't know. You know, <laughs> oh, We'll pick our trash talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. We can get it going. Jared we'll buys a lot of hot dogs for us at the turn, so <laughs> yeah, be, be cautious of that. No, we really appreciate you guys coming on the show. Thanks again. Um, it's been a blast to talk to you guys. Learned a lot about just being parents and golf itself and just excited to hear about your travels coming up this year i mean fingers crossed pinehurst april 21 moving on right I'm just hoping Can't to hear wait. about more about that fingers crossed thank you so much fingers really crossed. appreciate it guys. yeah i appreciate yeah. you having us this has been a lot of fun yeah you just listened for free now here's the deal go to our website at birdiedads.com and join us you will get our golf starters guide and our golf coloring book for kids free right now by signing up it just takes an email Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next time.